This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, all of my beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Today, we are joined by the Danielle Harris. She is a horror icon and has been in this industry since she was a little girl. She's been in Halloween, the Hatchet franchise. She's also a badass female director. But we are diving into the more personal side of things today. So sit back, grab a drink and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. I did not in chapter six. <gasps> he did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on her Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. So Danielle and I have a lot in common. We both lost our dads when we were six, seven years old. And hers was in a very different way than mine, but we both definitely picked up some things that stayed with us um, in, in the future relationships we had with men and how we attracted different people into our lives and those relationships and how they played out. I do want to mention that we do have a trigger warning for this episode. Danielle has had two experiences in her life with people who have died by suicide And there are some very intense stories that she is going to share with us today. We are going to touch on a lot of topics in this episode. So let's jump into the interview. Here's Danielle. Danielle fucking Harris. (laughs) I was like, wait, if we cuss, we can edit it. Wait, what? How are we not going to cuss? No, you can cuss all the time. This is FML Talk. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have you here, you beautiful little light. I'm happy to be here. Yay. Um... So your career in itself has been kind of insane. Like you've been very iconic. Can I say iconic? Sure. In the horror Thank genre. You. I mean, you're like, you've been in it since you were a wee little one. Yes. So what's it been like to kind of grow up in in the film industry and in the sub, you know, like horror genre? Um, you know, horror, believe it or not, it's just kind of come back around for me. Like I didn't do horror movies for 20 years. Right after you started. Yeah. After Halloween. Halloween, Yes. Halloween five. I didn't, I didn't do any, I did one horror movie from between Halloween five and Rob zombies. Oh wow. So between 1989 or 90 to 2007, I hadn't, I did one. Oh no shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then, but I did a whole bunch of other stuff, but nobody ever thinks about that stuff because horror is so fucking die hard yeah. that it just sort of reemerged this like 
I just leaned into it yeah. a little bit more. Not that I was against it or anything. It just didn't really present itself to me for some reason. Right. Yeah. And then the hatchet franchise came yes. and it was just like blue. Yeah. Up. I always forget about that too. Like that might be like really what sort of turned over that leaf for me, even yeah. though Halloween start, the new one started it. Yeah. I think that doing hatchet really kind of pushed it forward. Yeah. And for people that are listening, obviously Halloween that you did with Rob Zombie my mom played yes. Scout Compton's mom. You yes. were playing Scout's friend. Yeah. Your role in that was so fucking brutal, dude. <laughs> I mean, I remember watching it and my heart was like breaking. Aww. Oh, it was really gnarly. You were fantastic. And I it. survived. Um, yeah. And you are also a badass female director. Yes, I'm working on it. Yeah. I am working on it as you are. are do you like being behind the camera yeah, more I, than in front? Or is it um, just different? I... I'm so a type. Mm -hmm. So I do prefer being behind the camera because I can control more of the outcome, yes. I think. And I like the creative <laughs> process much more. Um, I think it just depends on what I'm doing in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. I also, but then on the, on the, the like talent side of me does like to be able to go to my room and like take a minute. Yeah. So, and as a director, you know, that just is not the case. Right. So I think I just need, I couldn't just be one or the other. I yeah. think. I think that's the, my main thing with directing too, is like, at least I have some more control over yeah. the product that comes out. Cause as an actress, For you sure. just show up and do your job and you're like, well, I hope it fucking looks good. Yeah, that's right. Like, there's no control. No, nothing. And with directing and producing, at least you can kind of like, you know, mold what you want your vision yeah. to look like. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm Trying to get your mom in my movie that I'm about to do. Yes. I sent her the script and she's like, what role, babe? I was like, Anyone you want. Take your pick, D. Because <laughs> she called, because, okay, so I'm doing a movie with Joe Dante. He found the script for me. Yes. Who I love. And, love um, and I, your mom, D called Joe or emailed him or something saying like, Hey, I would love to be part of it. And Aww. didn't, and didn't call me. I was like, D just call me. <laughs> Why did you just call me and be like, I want to be in your movie, bitch. Right. You're like, like, I was just trying to go about it the right way. I was like, oh you my don't God. need to go about it the right way with me. She like sends her agents to put in a request. Yeah. It's like, bitch, you could have just texted just me. Just text me. <laughs> oh, hire me. <laughs> I would have done it. Oh my God. I love it. Um, so apart from your, you know, accolades in the film and television world, you and I kind of have a similar, I guess, through line yeah. in how we grew up and some trauma that we experienced. Yeah. Yes. So take me back to your childhood and like what that was really like. Um, you know, I, it's so interesting because I've just kind of started talking about it. Not mm -hmm. that it's been something that I haven't talked about, but no one's really ever asked like, oh, really? where's your dad? What, right. you know, it's just never come up in conversation for some reason. Mm -hmm. Maybe they just assumed that he like left or something. Yeah. So my dad died when I was seven, um, in a car accident, but there's a lot of like weird shit surrounding it. So, uh, like he made out his will 10 days before he died. He died when he was 32. Um, really random shit kind of surrounding the night that he died. So, uh, there hasn't really been a ton of closure with mm. it. Um, because there are questions that aren't really haven't been answered by people that were, were still there. Mm. So, uh, you know, I don't know if he was like in trouble or if it was a hit or if he just knew he was going to die because he was doing some shady shit, but it's really weird. There's a lot of weird circumstances. So yeah, that must be really difficult to try and kind of like 
have some peace and wrap your head around. Yeah. I mean, there's half of me that's like, okay, I'm fantasizing about the, the, what if I were to be walking down the street and he like shows up somewhere. Like that's kind of probably the little girl in me. That's mm. like imagining that this could happen. Cause it's like happened in movies before. Right. I know the reality is that he's not, he's dead. He died yeah. in a car accident. I don't know how it happened. I mean, if I just go by what the cop said or what I heard the cop said, cause I haven't found a police report or anything on it. How weird. Yeah. Just weird shit. Um, so he went to to a ball game with his two friends. He mm-hmm. drove them from uh, Long Island to Queen, to uh, Madison Square Garden. And then he got up at halftime, made a phone call and told his girlfriend that he didn't know where God was going to put him the next day. So he had to cancel lunch plans with her. And then he left his friends at the game without telling them that he was leaving and he died wherever he was going. Okay. <laughs> so... That's yeah. wild. Weird, right? And so was was he and your mom not together at this they point? They were not married, no. Okay. No. What does she think about it? I she doesn't really have anything to say. She doesn't she went really wasn't like still in his life at that point. Okay. Um so yeah, I mean, my mom kind of likes to embellish things. So mm-hmm. I don't really know if she's like really thought about it. And right. if she did, if she would tell me anything. I don't think my, even his friends that I still talk to really haven't said anything different. I've been like, I'm like in my forties. Yeah. Like you could, like, like you could tell me now. Shady shit. Like I, like I kind of want to know, Yeah, you know, cause it's a part of me. Cause that's too coincidental and weird circumstances for it to be like, oh, he just got in a car accident. Yeah. It was very strange. So I don't know if it's like witness protection or, you know, I know that he was like gambling and running numbers, Mm. doing bookie stuff. Uh, So I don't know if like he stole money and like knew maybe something was going to come back to kick him in the ass. Right. Um, My grandpa was a cop, you know, it's like it, it, it just, my grandpa was a cop. My aunt worked for the courthouse. Like things were sort of hidden and moved around and weird shit has been said to me over the years. Yeah. So like my, my godmom, I'll say like, Oh, it's, I feel like one day I'm going to walk down the street and, and I'm going to run into my dad and she'll say stuff like, well, crazier things have happened. Just stuff that you're like, wait, <laughs> what the fuck is oh, going on? Weird, just weird, just weird. So weird stuff. I, I don't know if this is relevant to your particular situation but I mean you know when I lost my dad I walked in and found him like saw him physically lying on the floor my six-year-old brain was like oh daddy passed out oh right but I now know you know like I saw his body um when I lost my high school sweetheart when I was 18 Mm. he died in a car accident Mm. and I remember wanting to go to the funeral home to see his body and his mom Mm. was like please don't go like please whatever you do that image will be forever burned in your brain. Like, please don't go. And out of respect for her, I didn't go. That haunts me to this day because I have vivid dreams or like you said, I'll see someone that like kind of resembles him from the back and I will follow them in the crowd because Uh. I genuinely, it was like my brain didn't connect. Like there's the body, this person's dead. Right. Like I know that consciously, but there's this weird thing that I'm like, well, what if I just see him randomly walking down the street in a different country one day? You know, I have a couple of other friends that have died too. And every time I see their car on mm. the street, I look to see if it's them. Yeah. What it's a weird so thing odd. that we do that. I don't know why that is. But well, so do you think it's because you never saw a body that you feel that or just because... You, of all the weird circumstances that involve, I think that was maybe surrounding it's, your dad's death. I think it's more of like 
my child brain couldn't compute mm. something that big. Yeah. So there just was never closure, even if there were no weird circumstances surrounding. Yeah. And I think there's always something that's just sort of lingering. Mm-hmm. I, um, I went to uh, my dad's, my dad's funeral. I went and it was obviously a closed casket. He'd been cremated. And I remember, um, this on top of the casket were pictures of he and I in frames. And when I had to go up to the casket for whatever reason, they had me walk up there. I had a complete freak out mm. and started yelling to get my daddy out of the box. Oh my God. And had dude. to be taken out. And I remember playing go fish and old maid with my godmom's cousin in the lobby, like just weird stuff that just doesn't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to fix that. Yeah. That's you know? really traumatic. It's, I, I and do you too? I mean, how do you move beyond that? Right. Um, you just sort of do, I guess. But is there something in your in your brain that just can't quite like click back? Yeah, like make it make sense yeah. in, in that time. I, I honestly, I don't know if you feel the same way. For me, I'm. It's it's terrible that we both lost our fathers. It's something I would never wish upon anybody. Yeah. But if I had a choice to lose my dad when I was six, yeah, or lose him older as an adult. Part of me is like, well, you know, I, I wish I would have had all those years and I wish I would have known him, but I've lost people older when I've right. known them for so much longer. And it's, it, it would have hurt more, I right. think, in yeah. a way, yeah. in a weird, fucked up way. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. Do you think that um, it changes how you're, I mean, I didn't grow up with any men in my life. Like it was always my mom, my grandma, my sister. Yes. And now ironically enough, you know, both my babies are IVF and I chose the Mm. sex and I chose boys. Mm. So now I have like all men in my life, my husband and my two sons, my nephew, like my sister lives with me too, but it's still like, there's so much men around and they're like fucking aliens to me. I didn't, I mean, I know, well, I know I didn't grow up seeing it. Yeah. So I didn't, I don't really know. I mean, it's such a strange thing to have that be around when it was not part of my life for so many years. Yeah. So you grew up with just you and your mom. Yeah. And my sister. And your sister. Um, Do you remember how 
you found out about your dad? Did someone just yeah, come and sit you down? You know, I, I vividly remember um, when my, so I was in New York with my dad right before he died. I was on my Christmas break and I went home a week early because I missed my mom. Mm. So I was supposed to be with him at the game that he went to. Oh my God. So dude. I didn't, obviously I wasn't there. Um, and when, which may be why he made out his will right before I came out there. Cause we were living in Florida and he was in New York. So, um, I remember when I was there, he kept saying weird shit to me. He kept saying to me, if anything ever happens to daddy, you're going to be a rich little girl. Wow. So, oh my God, this is so wild. <laughs> it's so crazy. So when I, I remember the call coming in and my mom getting the call before I went to school in the morning. It was my aunt that called her and my mom had me go sit on my bed in my room. I still remember like what the curtains look like and the bedspread mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. And she said to me, you know, daddy, daddy has died. And my response was, am I going to be rich? Oh my God. And Danielle. she was like, what? And that's how the conversation started. Wow. So, and also he had ordered a different car. He went and we, he ordered a Bronco. Uh -huh. He was driving a Toyota um, Celica and it was small and he had ordered a bigger truck, but it, the stuff that he wanted hadn't come in or whatever. So it was like a pre-order for the new year. Mm -hmm. So he was going to get a different car than the car that he died in. Oh my God. This <laughs> is like kind of mind blowing. So, so crazy. What, what was in... Is this a is this an inappropriate question? What was in the will that he made out? You know, ten days before. Ironically enough, um, so my godmom was the witness to the will mm -hmm. um, and said that there was a lot of money in there. When I turned eighteen, I got the money and it was five thousand dollars. Oh my god! So <laughs> you're like, Dad, I don't know what your <laughs> version of rich is, but this is not it. <laughs> well, my aunt was left executor of, of, of the will for me to, and she was allowed to invest the money mm. to my benefit and the money was invested. Uh, and so there was gone. more and she yeah, I'm sure got it. It was gone. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. If I were you girl, I would be banging on his friend's doors and being like, gotta fucking tell me something. I wrote a script years ago when I started getting like interested in it. Um, and it was about a girl that goes to, that gets this call saying, you've got all this money and you need to come to New York to get it. And the character goes to New York and there's a lockbox of like things that are things that he was putting aside from her to help mm -hmm. in case something happened to him. And she un realizes that it was a hit and, and uncovers like who actually killed her father. Oh, how interesting. So, yeah. And I never finish it because there's no real end to the story. Well, I mean, not a truthful one right. in this situation, but you could, right. you, I mean, you could, I could make it one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would watch that. I was in, <laughs> I was at Paramount Studios one, one uh, year and I remember driving out of the parking lot uh, past the gate, you know, the security gate and this guy in a uh, electric truck drove up next to me and looked over me and looked just like my fucking dad. Oh my God. And it freaked me out. I thought, God, could you imagine if he's like, been in the business this entire time and I just don't know. I honestly, like there. I've had those weird fucking, I, I've had dreams. I talked about this on a previous episode. I I had a dream once where my, my high school sweetheart was in the dream and he, it was so real and so vivid that I remember waking up and being like, he was fucking with me. Everybody's been fucking with me this whole time. Right. Like he just left and he's been alive this whole time. Right. And people haven't told me. Doesn't it feel good in a weird way? Like, it it, it, well, the dream freaked me out a little bit, but it, it really makes you 
think like, fuck, like that could really happen. Yeah. Like unless you saw a body right, and you're like, that, right. that is the person. I've wanted to dig him, my dad up. I mean, I've wanted to well, like he was go cre- in, He was cremated, but right? But the box would still be in the oh, ground. Oh, got it. Oh my I God. Like if it, it wasn't, you can like test the ashes and it's not his. Oh my God. Oh my God I'm dead. <laughs> no pun intended. Oh my God. Okay. So, and you know what else is really crazy that I've started thinking about over the last decade or so? Um, if you follow my career, um, I never have moms in movies. Mm. It's always me and a dad. Oh, interesting. Or me and an uncle. Or me and someone trying to kill me. That's, right. a, That's man. a man. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I don't think I've ever, maybe, oh God, maybe like a hand, like three or four times in my whole career. It's always me and a, me and a dad. Always. Mm. So fucking weird. There's gotta be so some weird. fucked up There's like Freudian thing yes. hiding underneath that. Yeah. Um, so for me, when I lost my dad, the, the subconscious belief that was instilled in me was fear of abandonment. Mm. And more literally when I love someone, they die. Mm. Um, that was then re reopened and reinforced when I lost my high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay. And when I love someone, they die fear right. of abandonment. What, if anything, did you pick up? Do you think from losing your dad so young? I definitely have fear of abandonment. Um, not like leaving me. Uh, but even now my husband, like if he's out late, uh, there's like no sleeping. Mm. I mean, I have to, he has to call me when he gets in the car. Yeah. I have the tracker where I know like when he's, and it's really only since I've had kids that that's been really important to me. Mm. Um, so definitely, uh, definitely that like something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. I automatically go to that. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. I've also had a lot of friends that have committed suicide. So I'm always worried. Like my mom had issues when she was younger too. And I was always worried that some, my mom was going to die. It was like Mm -hmm. a constant fear of mine. Yeah. My mom's going to die. This one's going to die. My grandma's going to, I mean, of course everyone is going to die. Yeah. But I, I also, I had a huge fear that they were going to not be around anymore. Yeah. I I think I dealt with that too. I remember when my mom turned the age that my dad was when he died, Mm. I like felt like I didn't breathe for that year. Right. It was like, this is the moment where she goes to, and I'm left by myself. Even still now I'm 33 years old. Right. And my mom for all intents and purposes is in phenomenal health for her age. Yes. I still am like, dude, when she dies, I'm going to just disintegrate. Like, I'm just not going to fucking make it. I we hope I have kids by that point. Yeah, because like, then you have to pull through. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. My, my older one, Carter, asked me, he knows my grandma died when she was 88. So he'll ask me, like, when are you going to be 88? How many years before you're going to be oh. 88? And the other day he said to me, who's going to die first, mommy? Me, you, Carter, me, you, Jagger, or daddy? Oh, my I God. Like, None of us. You're like, everybody's alive forever. Forever. What have you heard? <laughs> it's like, that's so I don't know. Sad. And how old is he? Four. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, where did he He's pick obsessed that up with, with death and what happens. And he calls <sighs> it Kevin, not heaven. It's when, who goes to Kevin. Oh, that's <laughs> even <laughs> like, cuter. <laughs> but it's, but it's, you know, it's, it's a real thing. And I think, God, please, I can't even imagine leaving my kids. Yeah. I can't even imagine them having to deal with losing a parent. Yeah. It would be devastating. Yeah. I have an age gap with my now boyfriend. Mm. He's 15 years older than Mm -hmm. me. Very young soul. And I'm a very old soul. But, you know. Right. It's 15 years. Um, So whenever we discuss having kids in the future, 
my trauma brain immediately oh. goes to, yeah, but then I'm going to end up like my mom because he'll die right. and I'll have a fucking six-year-old here that's like, where's my dad? <sighs> it's really brutal. And I have to remind myself like, A, obviously my boyfriend's not my father right. and I am not my mother and we don't have to repeat that pattern. Right. Um, but it's a very real thing to yeah. try and like work through consciously. And it's out of your control. Yeah. It's a subconscious like cellular fear. Right. And you can never shake that. Mm, yeah. I mean, you can do work yeah, around yeah, it and be conscious healing. of it, yeah. but, um, but it's definitely a thing. Do you have anything that, and I, I resonate with, with what you said about, you know, if someone's out, mm-hmm. I don't have it if, if someone's out and about, but because of when I lost my high school sweetheart, um, he was like, I'll call you when I get home mm-hmm. and then never called. So now I have to like, if someone, if they have to call when they, they get have home. to call or they have yeah. to text, I have to know like when you're home yeah. and inside. Yeah. Otherwise I'm like, they're dead. They're for sure. Yeah. 100% side of the road. Right. Gone. I, I think the same thing. Yeah. That's why I need, I need to know like how far. So if you're, if you're in Beverly Hills with having dinner and you finish, you get the check at midnight and I know you're 40 minutes away. If it's past one and you told me you're on your way, then I'm calling you. Right. Right. Even if I'm dead asleep, right. I will, my brain will wake up and go, okay, it's one o'clock. Yeah. Are you okay? I don't and care how, how long you're out, but how is your husband with you know with that? Oh, he's fine. He actually puts the like the eat like share your your yeah. arrival time whenever yeah. he leaves somewhere when he's driving far distances. He'll always share it with me, so yeah. I know exactly where he is. That's great. It's yeah. like it's it's a trigger, it's a small for you little thing to protect. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you think that losing your dad at such a young age played? a role in the type of men you attracted or how your relationships went as you grew up? I, I mean, I'm going to have to say it probably. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, it would surprise me if it didn't. <laughs> um, I made some interesting choices, um, uh, but I, I didn't fear like I have never, I didn't, I never got broken up with. So there was never, and I didn't fear like I would usually just kind of let it roll out and always ended amicably. So there wasn't a lot of like choosing bad. So if they let, I, I, I don't know how it fucked me up, but I'm sure it definitely <laughs> had uh, had something major uh, to do with it. Maybe it was, I'm more of someone that like protects myself mm. um, and deals with things on my own emotionally. So there, there's been like a relearning how to sort of be a partner because I've right. always worried like I'm going to be alone. And I did, I did this like um, energy healing work with my therapist years ago and uh, like ancestral, cause there were things that I was getting, ha- having anxiety about that were not true to my life. Right. Right. So we started talking about like ancestral DNA, like DNA stuff and like trauma from the de- old past, you know, past yeah. life kind of, or, you know, family members being passed down. And I, I had this like crazy image of, I was of all of these different generations of women from, you know, 1800 on in, you know, in the apron with the thing and the churning butter and like (laughs) looking out the window and seeing a man leave and not come back. And Mm. then it was like the next one of, you know, this, the twenties, the the woman looks different and she's in a different house, a little more updated. And then the man leaves and never comes back. And then it was like constantly. And then the fifties and the sixties and seventies. And then it was all these different women, but they were, they started to to look like my great grandma and Mm. my grandma, even though my great grandma was married her whole life. My grandma was married her whole life. My mom, not so much. Um, but, uh, maybe that's why I waited to get married until I was 37. Yeah. I just was like, not for me, not for me, not for me. Yeah. That's so interesting. I'm sure there's also, you know, if you get too close to someone, there's a possibility they could die and be yeah. hurt. Um, cause that I know I've, I've dealt with for me, I, 
had that fear of abandonment that was so real. Mm. Um, I started attracting men into my life that would teach me that lesson, or at least like the universe was like, yo bitch, can we, uh, can we, can we heal this shit right now? Um, so I attracted my ex-husband who abandoned me in the most shitty and disrespectful way possible by cheating. And then I attracted the man that I fell in love with after who literally abandoned me 48 hours before I was getting on a plane. And it was like, okay, so are we going to learn this abandonment issue, Gabrielle? And I, you know, obviously took the trip and learned that I was never truly abandoned because I won't ever abandon myself. Right. But it took me so many of those men coming into my life to learn that lesson. Right. Like you're not abandoned. You can let that go. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I think maybe there's still like a, like a weird void for me. Cause I didn't, I don't know if, if it's abandonment necessarily, like there's something that's broken, yeah. but I don't know what the proper word is for right. it for me. Yeah. How did you meet your husband? On a blind date. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Tell me that story. I, I didn't, I was not into him. We're 10 years. We have nine years difference. Okay. I'm nine years older than him. Okay. So, uh, I, was not really interested. Uh, he was 25. Oh yeah. I was like, I want to get married and have kids. I don't, I get, I'm not fucking around with these kids, you yeah. know? Um, and my friend kept saying, no, 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 no. He's great family, great career. Like he's not in the business, got his shit together. He's like, he, he wants to meet you. I was like, oh God. Um, <laughs> You're like, that we, makes it even worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I, we didn't head it off. Uh, we, he was so awkward and uncomfortable and he's still awkward and uncomfortable oh God, 10 years it. later. <laughs> um, I'm like, we're married. You can like make a move. I'm not like, what the fuck oh, is going on? Oh my God, on? I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but he was persistent mm. and he showed up and he, whatever he said he was going to do, he did. So, which had not happened before mm. and he didn't take no for an answer. Oh my God. I love so that. So I had to sort of, I mean, he was so literal on our date after our date ended, he asked me for my number and I said, I'd give it to him, but that I was busy through the end of the year. Uh, because I think it was like end of October, early November. And he said, okay. I just was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm busy, you know? Right. So he called me the beginning of January was like, well, it's, it's the end of the year's over. So could we go out and get a drink? And I was oh like, oh, God. you took it literally like, <laughs> When I said, were you just trying to like blow him off at that point? I was. Oh my God. (laughs) And he just wouldn't go away. And then it was like every, what are you doing Thursday? What are you doing Saturday? What do you, can I come get you Monday? And he would, it was like seven o'clock, six o'clock. Okay. You know, be there. And then we were in, um, I was going to Florida for a film festival with a girlfriend of mine. And he's like, oh, I have a store, my store and book. I have to close down. So I'll just go when you're going to be there. And you know, uh, maybe I'll meet your family. We were only dating like two months. It's like, oh God, this guy just invited himself to meet my family. What the fuck? Now he's really not going to want to marry me. (laughs) Um, And we were down there and he said something like, I want to take you to Hawaii. And I was like, oh, you know, how many times have you heard? Like, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that for you. And you're like, yeah, right, whatever. Um, And I said, okay, because when do you want to go? And it's like, oh, two weeks. I'm my schedule is available or some bullshit like that. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And I remember driving with my girlfriend to the hotel where the film festival was at. It was like three hours away. And he messaged me, check your email. And when I checked my email, he booked a ticket in two weeks to go to Hawaii. Ballsy. And took my friend who introduced us and her husband so I wouldn't be weirded out. Ballsy. I know. I mean, what? I know. Crazy, right? So when did the tide change from you being like, he's 
awkward. I mean, I know you still say he's awkward and uncomfortable, but like, <laughs> when did the tide change <laughs> for you to changed. be like, okay, I, I kind of, I like him. Um, when he just kept coming through, mm. integrity was a really big thing for me and he kept showing up. Yeah. So for me, and maybe that's, maybe that, that's what it is. He wasn't going, he wasn't going away. Right. I could always count on him to be there when I really hadn't had that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, even now he says like, he's, he's of his word. He's always been that way. I mean, it might, we're married almost, we're married eight years. It might take longer to get, to get there, (laughs) (laughs) but but eventually he does it. Oh, I love that. Creature of habit. So what a great fucking little happy ending. That's that's amazing. I mean, I'd been in three relationships before then that were five years each Mm. where the men lived with me and they were actors. Like I remember my boyfriend right before uh, David that I, when we broke up, uh, we were sitting on the couch and uh, we'd like planned to have our talk because we knew it was over, yeah. and, but he was living in my house. Mm. So we sat down, we went to breakfast that morning. We came back, we sat down on the couch and we we're like, okay, let's talk. And he said to me, if you want consistent, he said to me, if you want stability and security, I'm the wrong guy. Um, what? Yeah. You're like, okay. And there's the door. That's exactly what I did. Yeah. I said, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to like get married and have kids with someone that's cool. Like not getting a job when they run out of money. Right. Because they're an actor yeah. or a musician. You're like, welcome to the industry where Hello. you need like supplemental income while you're trying to like chase your dream. I mean, I had done Rob's Halloween, made a lot of money and I was, I still had my day job. Yeah. I was still selling shampoo as a sales rep for a beauty distributor. Oh my going God. Going like salon to salon selling Moroccan oil products. Oh my God. I love Moroccan oil. It's the best, right? <laughs> for like, you know, a, a year and a half, two years. And I would go into a salon and they were like, are, are, are you weak? Oh my God. It's like, yeah, but that $3,000 a month yeah. that I knew was steady yeah. was how I paid my mortgage. That's my rent and everything else is Sorry. fucking- Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I don't give a fuck. I'm not waiting around for a job to come to no, me. No, like, you you're, have to do it a business survivor. Like yeah. And the fact that my man was not okay, like putting his ego aside to get a real job. Right. It's like, bullshit, am I going to be on some couch yeah. with my kid because I'm pregnant and can't work? Yeah. or go to conventions and make money to pay our bills. And you're going to be like chilling, waiting yeah. for the, the show to call you to hire you as a regular. Fuck off. Right. So that was it. But And he ended up on someone's couch. Right. <laughs> Shocker. I wonder, I mean, there's a little bit of, the, there, you've got to like kind of give him props in a weird way yeah. for owning that and being like, like the important shit that you need. Right. I'm not that fucking guy. Right. And being like, okay, you could have let me know five years earlier. Uh, he probably but like at did least, let me know yeah. or show me. And I just didn't want to see right. it. Hiding your, hiding your eyes yeah. from the red flags. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, you know, when the bill would come and like his debit card would get declined or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he would have no money to, to help me pay the, my, the mortgage or I would pay his car insurance, but then he would get a big job and he'd go buy like a fancy watch no. or like soup up his car or, you know, just Ew. Icky. I just can't. Icky. Um, okay. I want to take a turn to something you said earlier in the conversation that you've had multiple people in your life that have died by suicide that I've, we, we did an episode a couple weeks ago. Well, it's probably a couple months ago now. Um, with someone whose father died that way. I lost an uncle Mm -hmm. that way. I I know a lot of people that have had one brush with it, Yeah, but I think it's interesting that you've had multiple. Yeah. What's that? I've had two. Um, I've had my two guy best friends kill themselves. Oh my God. Uh, one I had, I mean, 10 years, um, Jonathan Brandis, he was an actor, 
like 10 years, one of my best friends. Um, we also had a romantic relationship on and off for a year, but something kept kind of like pulling me away from doing that. Mm. Um, and yeah, he was 27. He hung himself. <sighs> uh, and my ex-boyfriend who became his best friend was inside the house when he did it uh, and is the one that found him hanging mm. outside of his, his door on a beam and had to cut him down and like oh my god was already like had already had trauma from uh, other situations in his life um, so did not need to deal with that situation yeah um, but there what's interesting is so then so, so that was I was 26 um and that took me a really long time to get over. Well, yeah, best friend of 10 years yeah. and someone that you had romantic feelings for at some point. That's yeah. a lot to unpack. Like we were best friends for years and years. And I started developing feelings when he was doing a movie in Prague. And I was like, I'm going to come see, I'm going to fuck it. I'm going to pack my shit and I'm going to go see him. Mm. And I flew to Prague. Oh my God. And we we hadn't even kissed. And I was like, I'm going to go to Prague. And we were there. And then I think we had sex like the first or second night I was there. And I was like, okay, this is kind of crazy what's going on. And then he was so... Um, just special, just a fucking lunatic. But I loved that. Yeah. Um, and we went to the travel agency across the street from the hotel. He had, we had like, he had like a week off or something, which is why I had gone there to spend time with him. And he's like, pick any, close your eyes and pick anywhere on the map that you want to go. I was like, shut up. This isn't real life. And I did. I closed my eyes and was like, uh, bing, open my eyes. He goes, we're going to Paris tomorrow. Oh my God. And we just got tickets and went to Paris together. Wow. So, but after that, I, it just, something kept, feeling like it was too much for me. It was, mm. he was so intense. And I know he had a lot of, you know, it, mental stuff going on. Um, and I just think it, he just couldn't deal with it. Yeah. He started sort of like losing himself along the way. And everybody talks about it being like, oh, cause he wasn't working as an actor or the business or, and has nothing to do with it. Um, uh, so that was that situation. Uh, and then, so it, it felt like devastating yeah. to lose him that way. I, I mean, um, I, I, yeah, I can't imagine. It's my, one thing to lose someone in a freak accident or right. because of an illness, but right. when someone makes the choice to do that and there's all the extra guilt on you of like, I, could I have done yeah. something? And like, yeah, I just you know, wish if we all would have just talked, there was like yeah. four of us. We, he had four close friends, three guys and me. If we had all never just said had, anything that alluded to that, he would say stuff like we used to always say like, I hate my life. I want to fucking kill myself. Like right. that was like our literally verbatim what we would say. Yeah. And it was like a joke. Yeah. I hate my life. I mean, it was pilot season. He used to wear a t-shirt into pilot auditions that said fuck pilot season. <laughs> That's great. Like he was out of his mind. Yeah. Ballsy, crazy, like just so spectacular in an insane way that it was such a shame yeah. that there was other things going on that made him that way. I was like, are you fucking lunatic or are you brilliant? Like right. what's or going both. on here? Yeah. And he was, he was both. Yeah. I didn't know the pain that was going on. Um, cause we were all like in our late twenties and drinking whiskey and, you know, making movies and just being like creative nutbags yeah. at that age. We all had demons and dark things going on. I think we all got together and like, it just, be, we, we used it to be creative. Right. And they were the only group that I could really do that with. Mm -hmm. So when that was gone and we all sort of dissipated, it was, it was really sad. Um, we all still talk here and there and have that, that thing, you yeah. know? And I remember, um, Soleil Moonfry, uh, through his like memorial or whatever after. And, um, 
And that year, Jonathan was calling me saying how he was mad that only like three of us, we were the only ones that remembered his birthday, mm-hmm. that he had all these friends and nobody fucking called him on his birthday and he was all pissed off. And then I go to this like memorial and there's all of these people there right. that are like crying over him. And mm-hmm. he was this and this story and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fuck these people. He would be laughing right now if he was standing here. Yeah. Soleil with her, you know, valet parking and catered and flowers. I'm like, where has she been for the last 10 years? Mm. I haven't seen her anywhere. So it's interesting when that stuff happens, like who has weird feelings or needs to kind of clear their conscience a little bit. Yeah. And a lot of that was going on. Is the person you're talking about, it, was he a part of that documentary that I watched? Yeah. Okay. I didn't watch it. Yeah. I was going to watch it with John's parents. And then I was like, I was so... um I don't, I I don't know what, I don't know what it was about. I just saw some stuff and the way that it was sort of marketed. I, I don't know. It just made me feel uncomfortable. Didn't sit right. It didn't sit right. And I didn't want to, I just was like, I don't want to hear his voice. I don't want to watch it. You don't, these are not his friends. Mm. I, I, I don't, why are you using this old footage for to talk? Like, no, I was, but I'm also very protective. Right over him. And I always was protective over him when like my mutual guy friends wanted to beat the shit out of him. I was like, no, (laughs) you don't understand. He doesn't mean it, (laughs) you know? And do you think that, that his death was what pulled that group of people apart? Yeah, Mm. for sure. But we all still get together. Like no time is, I mean, I haven't seen most of them in many, many years, but there's always, but you know, I, I will check up on the three of them occasionally Mm -hmm. just to make sure they're still alive. Yeah. Because there was darkness around a lot of a lot of us. Yeah. So I, I just checked in on one of them a couple weeks ago when it was the anniversary of his death, just to say, hey, make sure he was still kicking. Tell him I love him and like move on. Yeah. Just because it, it it's still I still get nervous about that stuff. Yeah. You know. I and, mean, I can imagine. And then my other friend, um, I have a totally different um, feeling about his passing versus Jonathan. Uh, his passing was really nasty and fucked up towards me. So uh, he died now. It's going to be three years, I think, coming up in January. Mm -hmm. And he was my best friend for 20 years. And we stopped being, he had some substance issues going on and some other issues going on. But um, he stopped, uh, we stopped being friends seven years ago, eight years ago, um, because I just needed to sort of like pull back. He got into a fight with my boy, with my boyfriend, now my husband. Yeah. At the time, Adam was drinking. My husband does not drink. And they got into some dumb wrestling match. It was stupid. And anyway, it went too far. And I took my husband's side over my friend Adam's side. Mm-hmm. Adam always had like... He was always like the, the, what I wasn't getting from my boyfriends. Mm. He was like the emotional boyfriend. Right. We did everything together constantly. I never knew him to have a girlfriend. I mean, he had a couple girls here and there, but like nothing really serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was very, uh, he was an acquired taste, mm-hmm. but I, I like that. I mean, I like people that nobody else really right. <laughs> likes, you know, um, as long as they're honest with who they are, then I'm all for it. I don't care how fucking crazy or weird or whatever you've got going on. As long as you're truthful and have integrity within what you're sharing with me. Cool. Cause if yeah. I, if I see through it, there's a problem. Yeah. Uh, so he got with my boyfriend and we got no fight about it. It turned really ugly and I just wasn't going to take a side because he was my friend. You know, he punched my husband in the nose 
And my husband gave him an opportunity to get off. And he was like wasted and said, never, you know, as they were wrestling. And, mm. and my husband was like, pushed him and got him, socked him in the nose, um, which was not cool. So uh, anyway, long story short, we didn't talk and met, we hadn't talked in years, 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 years. We just stopped talking. And um, I heard his drinking got worse and his drug use got worse. And I was like, I'm, I, I can't. Yeah. Can't, can't be there for that. Um, and I got a call a couple of years ago from a mutual friend of ours that he killed himself, uh, but he orchestrated it. So he sent, uh, a dozen of our friends, a dozen or so, maybe less boxes mm -hmm. with stuff of his in it. Um, so he killed himself at the Beverly Hilton on like a Sunday. He had his house in escrow. He had his, everything was done. His funeral was planned and paid for. His guest list was done. Wow. A list of who needs to handle what was done. Uh, and he, houses in escrow, everything was done. He went to the hotel, checked himself into the hotel and mailed out the boxes on the way to the hotel. And one of the boxes went to my friend Tanya who got one of the letters in it saying like, if, you've, if you're reading this, I'm already gone. Wow. And she called the police and said, I think Adam, something happened to Adam. And then everybody rushed, the police went and rushed over to his house. Then when they got to his house, there was a sign on the door that said, don't break my door down. It's an escrow. You won't find me here. Go oh, to my neighbor. Wow. Yeah. So then uh, there's other things that happened in between. Anyway, they found him. He, he died. He overdosed intentionally on fentanyl at um, the Beverly Hilton. But he sent everybody boxes of his shit and letters and in, aside from letters to them, it was the letter that he wrote to me, which was eight pages, blaming me for him killing himself. <gasps> so it was wait, nice wait, to have wait, all this, of my friends get that. That letter went to everyone that got yeah. the box? Yeah. So what, oh, what he wrote me, he God. sent to everybody. And was that sent to you as well? Yeah. Yeah. I got two boxes. I got his journal from 1992 until the day before he killed himself. Oh my God. And I got um, his glasses and I got like some books that he and I had in common and all the letters I ever wrote him over the years, all the mm. cards I ever gave him over the years. Just like, here you go. And it, my, he gave it to my, sent it to my friend Elena because he didn't know where I lived. Oh so he God, sent it to I Elena. I cannot imagine receiving that. Well, I told her, I'm like, open it up. I don't want to fucking go boom. I don't right. know what's in there. Like God knows. He's, you know, I don't know what the fuck he could have happen. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh my God. So she called me. She's like, I don't even want to tell you this. Cause my baby, my second son was just born two months before. Mm. So here I am with this like newborn baby and I'm All like, I have to deal with this. Oh my it's like, God. I don't want to deal with this. And then, you know, so he had like this, and then he's, I guess on this list he had of Elena had to call all of our mutual friends. So he had like 300 people on this list of everyone she had to call personally to tell that he died. Someone that thought he had no friends and that's why he killed himself. Um, and then the funeral was planned. Like what song had to be played? What, I, it, it was so crazy when I tell you, like mm -hmm. this is something that you, I, I haven't, I can only see in movies. It's yeah, it's, it sounds like a movie. It sounds it's like it's not real. It, it, and, and the fucked up thing is that his last entry before he died was wondering if I was going to go to the funeral. And no, mm. I'm not. No, I wasn't. And I wasn't intending on doing it. And his mom also still does blame me and she doesn't mean to. And that's fine. I don't, you know, if she needs to, if I need to hold that for her because it helps her, then so be it. It obviously has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Um, 
then it is what it is. But I know we've got mutual friends that still are like, look at me sideways. Like if we wouldn't have gotten into that argument, if I would have stayed his friend. And the fucked up thing is if he would have just called me yeah. and apologized, yeah. he would still be here. Yeah, but you can't, you can't blame no, yourself No, I that. don't. I mean, I, as soon as he died and I got the letter, I posted the whole letter on Facebook mm. and basically said, go fuck yourself. I don't take responsibility for this. How fucking dare you mm. blame me for your issues. This has nothing to do with me and prove it in his fucking journal. He's tried to commit suicide two or three times before from back before I even knew him. Mm. So to blame me, like how shame on you. And then I took it down because his friend, his friends called me and said his mom's people are finding yeah. out this way. Right. We oh. haven't notified everybody. Right, right, right. And I was like, you can't tell me what to do and not do. I'm going to share this. So I have two very different feelings towards, I have like, how dare you? And oh my God, I'm devastated. Yeah. Yeah. But both of them were men- were mentally ill. Yeah. So what makes the, the feelings different? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Oh my God. That's so heavy. It's crazy. To, right? to go through an experience like that twice, but so polar opposite. Yeah. Um, so I lose a lot of men in my life. <laughs> I mean, yeah. In like very <laughs> traumatic ways. Yeah. Um, without tons of answers sometimes. No, yeah. No answers. Just like what's left for me to decide in my mind. Yeah. But I know like at the end of the day, I am not, I don't take responsibility for any of it, for any of it. Well, you so can. at least I have that, you know, yeah. I don't blame myself. I don't, I haven't sat with any kind of like guilt. It's more anger, mm. I think, than anything else. I mean, I, I, you know, suicide is, is, it's a tricky thing. I, I understand like you have a right. I think you have a right to do what you want to do with your life. Um, thank God they weren't married with kids. I think once you have yeah. family, that's no longer your right to make that decision. Um, uh, but who am I to to judge somebody yeah. for, for it's doing sl- it's that. A, it's a slippery slope for sure. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever be able to let that anger go? I mean, I, I feel I've already mourned the loss of my friend, both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the, the part that blames me was not my friend. Right. You know? Yeah. That's um, a great way of looking at it. That person had disappeared yeah. long before. Yeah. This that was the person. illness talking. Yeah. Yeah. And of course in the letter, it's like, I didn't have a drug. You're probably going to say that I was an alcoholic or a drug addict, that I had mental problems and it was none of the above. It right. was the pain of losing you. And I, you know, the end thing he wrote was, I hope it was worth it. Oh, so brutal. it's just like, and for all I could think of, I hope it was worth it for you. Yeah. Like I'm you could have just called and oh, I'm so good. devastating. I'm like, I'm happily married with two beautiful children living my best life. Like you, this did not, what you were trying to gain from this, mm-hmm. you did not succeed. Yeah. I wasn't standing at your graveside crying, babe. Mm. Sorry. That's I mean, so sad on and I so many levels. If he would have just, we would have had a conversation about it. Yeah. Then it would have totally changed. Right. But oh my God. That's nuts. so brutal. I mean, I think about like going to the graveside and like making amends, mm-hmm. but I don't really have anything to say. Yeah. Not yet anyway. Yeah. Maybe one day. Yeah. Oh my God. But he's the one I, when I see a, a, a car, a, a, the car they drove, I still mm. like a look to see. And I'm like, why am I, it's just so rant. Like, right. uh, he's not going to be in the car. Yeah. But I mean, I get where that mentality could come from with someone yeah. that, where it ended up that way. Oh, brutal. It's nuts, right? Um, what would you say to someone that's dealing with losing someone to suicide? 
you've got to find your support group. I mean, I think that, you know, it's like you and I could, when, when you messaged me about like, what do we, what, what should, what do we have in common? Essentially, yeah. like, what can we talk about? And I was like, we both lost our dads. Yeah. It's a language that you and I can speak that mm-hmm. some others don't know the language yeah. to. So I think that, uh, same thing, like, you know, like I didn't know about your, you know, your uncle and uh, grandpa and stuff with, with your, in your family. But mm-hmm. when I talked to your mom, it's like, I could look in your mom's eyes and go, I, I connect with you because I see, I see that. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. You don't even have to say anything. I fucking get it. Yeah. When you talk about your dad, I fucking get it. Yeah. So, and it's just like a, an, an unfortunate click mm-hmm. that we're, we all are in. And there are many of us out there. So many. Um, yeah. Chris Heck, who came on to talk yeah. about his dad, um, passing from suicide. Oh God, was I didn't like, know that his dad was yeah. a recent oh, yeah. when he was No, younger. no, no. I forgot that you knew Chris yeah. Heck. I was like, wait, yeah. how is she, why is she pretending like she knows this person? <laughs> He's, <laughs> He's not editing. famous. He, he edits my, my so, podcast. No, I know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, his, his oh. dad passed of suicide. I think it was around five years ago, but he came on and um, did an episode and he was like, you know, everyone's going to be touched by this in some way yeah. in their life at some point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's either finding a support group, whether it's people you know, mm-hmm. or it's an actual group that you yeah. go to, or it's people that you become close with mm-hmm. over the subject. But it's so important when you're dealing with any type of yeah. trauma to be able Absolutely. to relate with yeah, someone. For sure. So speaking of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> nice little segue there. Yes. Thanks, Chris Heck. Um, <laughs> you and Scout, yes. who uh, we've had on in season one, who I adore as well. Well, you guys have a new podcast. Tell me a little we bit about do. it. We do. So uh, we're both horror actresses. Yes. Um, and, uh, but, you know, she's, so we're 10 years, well, I'm a little, I'm 12 years older than her. Um, but uh, I, as we've been getting closer, as we were getting older, I sort of became like big sister. And yeah. the stories we started sharing with each other are so crazy. And we're like, God, we should just, we should do something. And thank God for COVID. Like COVID actually gave people like us a creative outlet yeah. to like force us to do something. Totally. Like, I can't like set up my ass in my house. I'm going crazy. So give me something to do. So, and like <laughs> I, you can come over and we can talk. Like I get to talk yeah. to somebody yeah. other than my <laughs> husband and my children. This is amazing. God bless podcasts. Um, so, uh, so we started this podcast, Talk Scary to Me. And we're like, what should we do? And we both grew up with uh, watching Love Lines, like listen, or listening to Love Lines, I should say. Uh, and um so we were just sort of talking about like love and sex and relationships and advice I can give her and then things she was telling me from a different perspective. And um, so we're like, we, let's just do like love, sex. And of course we have to do stuff about horror movies. Right. Uh, so we have fans call in and ask us questions and we talk about everything. I love that. Um, it's very, uh, oh my God, after we did like our fifth or sixth episode, I had like a, a panic attack because we were sharing so much. Mm. We know when you're just talking to your friend, you're like, how, yeah. how, how much do I want to let somebody in? And I'm an open book. Yeah, so same. you're like, well, if you're going to judge me, well then shame on you. But how much do I really want to tell people about like my sex life? Right. It's more right. so about like, <laughs> like who's listening. Yeah. So I had a panic attack and I called her late at night and I said, I, do you think, do you think we should not release this? Like, should we just do like a Patreon only? Then we can kind of monitor because- my mom's going to hear it. My sister, right, right. your parents. And like, we're talking about like how, how you want to get fucked or <laughs> like who, like where, you know, like just like crazy things that, that yeah. we've done. Um, and she's got some crazy stories and so do I. And it's so fun. But I was like, fuck it. Who cares? Yeah, dude, just put it all out there. Whatever. So many people are going to connect and resonate with it. 
And it's funny because the men, like the men that listen to it now yeah. come over and the women that come over and they're like, I love it. I love it. It's my Monday morning drive. It's fucking so, I love <laughs> listening to it. You guys are so vulnerable and you're so open and honest about everything. And then the men that come over to the table are like, if they see me in person, they're like, so, um, they like, won't look. <laughs> oh my God. That's too funny. They're like, I've been listening to your podcast. They're like, it's, yeah, I can uh, tell. <laughs> it's like you're turning red right now. Oh my God. I love I'm it. I'm so freaked out. I was and like, it's is so, it weird? it's not just like horror based. Like you guys talk about anything and everything. It is literally everything. And then everything sort of segues into a story from, from set or from one of the movies. And because I've done so much horror movies, it's a lot of it is just incorporated in all of that stuff. There just wasn't anything really like it. You know, there wasn't anything that there were a lot of people in their basement you know, that we're like just talking about movie reviews right. or like we've done a hundred, you know, so many interviews where so many podcasts where you get asked the same yeah. shit and you're like, how many times? Like, let's do something different. Just one more person asks me what Rob Zombie was like. Like, <laughs> do you really care? Right, right. Do you really <laughs> want to take this hour to talk and about that? And he's fucking awesome. So yes. let's just put that to rest. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So, so I think talk you're just scary afraid. to me. What talk a cute little scary name. To me. Love it. Yeah, because you know there's that song, Talk Dirty to Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk Dirty to Me. So I was like, ooh. So I just put it out on you know Instagram. Like, what should we call it? This is what it's about. What do you think yeah. we should call it? And somebody wrote, we picked a bunch of names and that was one that sort of stuck out. And yeah, that's I love it. exactly what it is. Now we're kind of getting into like true crime stuff a little bit. Talking about my dad and like things that were in her dad was, you know, she yeah. grew up in a mortuary. So a lot of that sort of kind of going hand in hand. So the first like 30 minutes are like love and sex questions. Fun. And then you find out a lot of juicy, naughty stuff about us and we spill the tea. I love it. And then um, the last portion is is either horror movies or horror stuff or, you know, aside from set stories, now we're covering true crime stuff. Oh my God, how fun. Yeah. I love it. Everybody go check that out. Um, yeah. Tell everybody where they can find you online. Oh gosh. Um, Instagram, I'm horror gal. Twitter, I'm Halloween gal. DanielHarris.com is my official website. Uh, Daniel Harris official uh, Facebook also. Um, I, I run all of that stuff too. And uh, Talk Scary to Me, we're on where podcasts can be found so i guess Amazing. apple Podcasts and spotify all the places yeah all the places oh my god girl thank you so much for yeah. coming on and being vulnerable and sharing of all course. of this i we we connect on so many weird things and you know i know your boyfriend oh i do yeah. you do you know tay. I know tay of course i, I do. know i told him i was like danielle's coming on the show today and he at first he was like i don't think she's gonna remember me what yeah he's crazy i saw the picture I was like oh my god you take tamar <laughs> Of course. I, I love, love it. Because he lit. So my friend Nicole was dating. Um, oh, God. What the hell is his name? It was his old roommate. So Mike Deeney and there, uh, Nathan, who was on The Real World. Yes. So Nathan and oh my Mike God, this was like a long lived with Tamor. I was uh, 23. Yeah. 22, 23. Yeah. And I met Tamor that way. Oh, my and God. And then, you know, and I never dated or did anything. No, no, no. no. I just, you know. <laughs> he clarified uh, that yes, when he was yes, like, I know yes. Daniel. No, no, no. <laughs> Um, but we would all like go to like the Mondrian and like Sky Bar and like we, yeah. we just hung out. You knew like young crazy party day. Yes. Yeah. We were all young crazy party. <laughs> I love you it. Know? He's a good yeah. one. I yes, think I'll keep he him. Yes, he is. Yes. He's a keeper. Yeah. All right. Love you, girl. Thank you, you for being too. here. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Danielle so much for coming on and being so open and so vulnerable. Everybody go check out her podcast, Talk Scary to Me, where you can hear her and Scout from season one talk about all things love, sex, and horror. We are going to take a turn now and jump into one of your FML stories. Here we go. 
Hi, Gabrielle. This is Elizabeth, and this is my FML story. And I want to preface this story with an assault trigger warning. Back in early 2017, I had broken up with my college sweetheart and began seeing someone much younger than me. And his name was, drumroll please, Chris. Chris had swept me off my feet. He was funny and flirty, and he himself had just gotten out of his first serious relationship. For those reasons, him and I agreed that we both did not want to be in a relationship, but could still have fun. We went on dates and hooked up for a few months. But it all came to a screeching halt on the last day I saw him in May of 2017. Now I know that him and I agreed that we wouldn't date, but there is still a level of respect that you need to show someone, especially while being intimate. So Chris and I were at the movies. Please keep in mind that I did purchase the movie tickets for both of us. This will be important later on. And we proceeded to make out in the movie theater. And as we were making out, I'm still to this day not sure what happened. But all of a sudden, something in him shifted and he immediately began to push me off of him and would lean away from cuddling with me and all things that were okay and we were doing before this moment as we left the movie theater and we were walking back to separate vehicles that we were parked in in a parking deck he was barely spoken speaking to me and was on his phone walking feet ahead of me he barely said goodbye and as i kept asking what happened he kept repeating nothing i'm fine he sped out of the parking garage, and as I went to pull out of the garage myself, I realized that he had had my parking ticket to get out of the garage that he had put in his wallet to, quote, keep safe. So in addition to paying for the movie tickets, I had to pay the $40 lost parking ticket fee to get myself out of the garage. And as I left the parking garage in tears, that was the last day I ever saw him in person. Now, in recent years, he has tried to come back in my life, and he got very, very good at breadcrumbing. Whenever he is single, I get a text, hey, how are you doing? And it usually is when I'm doing well or have just accomplished something in my life. Now, in 2019, this all stopped because I ended it, because he had reached out to me saying he was having a difficult time with school and decided it wasn't for him and he needed a friend. And even a few times, we were arranging to meet up. But part, but part of this difficult time was that he had to go to court all the time, and he always refused to share with me what he was going to court for. So naturally, I did a few Google searches, and he was arrested and charged with assault and battery and stalking of his college girlfriend and her friend. At first, I didn't believe it, and once I read the police report, let's just say there were details in the report that confirmed his identity to me. Talk about dodging a fucking bullet. Oh my god. Talk about dodging a fucking bullet indeed. Um, it's so interesting because when I listen to that story about you guys being in the movie theater you see those red flags and those warning signs that come up. And then to have that confirmed in such a big way by the police report, um, God girl, uh, I, I'm so glad that you did not, 
get into that any deeper than you did. Um, whew, that that's a scary one. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and for anyone that's listening, pay attention to those warning signs when people start acting shifty or act off and out of character out of nowhere. Pay attention to those. Um, they they are guiding you in a certain way. All right, you guys, I am so glad that you joined us for another episode of FML Talk. As always, make sure you are subscribed so you never miss an episode. Keep up with us on Instagram at FML Talk Podcast. You can watch all of the episodes live in studio on youtube.com slash FML Talk. And remember that you can hang out with us on Patreon, be a part of the self-love Facebook group. 10% off comes with that subscription as well. And you can listen to all three seasons of the mini bonus episodes. As always, have a self-love cocktail on me and I will see you guys next week. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.